Do you think that the way you have parented has been to do with society changing or an influence from your parents? I think it's a mixture of both, really. I do think it was from experiences I had as a child. For example, when I went to, you know, in my day, oh God, I sound old. Um, if you went to school and you got a clip round the ear from a teacher, I wouldn't have told my mum because I would have got a clip round the ear when I got home too. Did you respect your teachers? Let's look at the yes. education bit first. I think I respected them out of fear rather than anything else. You know, people in authority, any adult was someone to be feared because any adult could smack you around the head if they chose to do so. Whereas now you can't because it's assault and children are thought of the same as um, or have the same rights as adults. So I'm the same as you. I, I was thinking about this earlier, and I thought I didn't never respect. I respected one or two teachers, but the only bits I respected were the teaching they gave me, like my English teacher. I didn't respect them as people, and it was almost because the way they punished you yeah. took that respect away. Did you respect teachers, Alice, when you were at school? At first, yeah, I respected them kind of through all my school days, but I lost their respect. I lost respect for them, not their respect, through my years because when I got bullied, they never did anything. And it was always just kind of work it out yourself. And I feel like teachers nowadays, a lot of them more care about the school's reputation than they do the actual pupil. I mean, we don't get hit anymore. That's never happened. They're not really even allowed to touch you. The worst punishment you'll get is maybe isolation, which is where you're just put in a room to do work on your own for a day. But so, so do you think you ever had respect for teachers? I've talked about it before, the fact that Tom, when he was about 11, said to me, well, if the teacher does that, they'll get in trouble. They can't touch me and all that. And you know Tom, he's, he is a good kid. He's not aggressive or anything. But for him to believe that so young, did you ever go into school and think, oh, I better be careful or this teacher will, you know, will be angry with me or I'll get into trouble? I respected a few. I mean, there were some that I really liked. There was maybe one, I think, was my German teacher who was very strict. He would give you a detention for just for getting a pencil or something. But there was very few teachers like that. A lot of them were very just sort of nice, but they, I did respect them to a certain extent. But throughout the years, they kind of showed their true colours a bit. I have to admit, I was, I would have been as a parent. I was scared of your primary school head teacher. Oh yeah, who really, really just wasn't a nice person. No, to to anybody, adult or she was very child. like Miss Trunchbull. She didn't care. But that's but that's being scared, and that's like our generation. Being scared is not respect. No, I, no. I don't respect anyone who who is angry and who comes across as aggressive. Because can, I always think can have... you truly differentiate between, as a child, between being scared and respect? No, I think you're right, actually. And I think when we were young, we hear older relatives now will say, well, kids used to respect teachers. Now, they didn't. They didn't respect them. They just, they thought, they just thought they might get hit. 
having said that, there's always different teachers. My English teacher used to say, I'll throw you, if you talk again, I'll throw you through the effing wall. Yet our maths teacher used to say, if you lot don't be quiet, I won't say please next time. You can imagine that worked in a boys' school. No, but, but that that's about controlling behaviour. And again, that works through a fear. That That's a matter of how you can control a class. I think respect is very different. When you have a really good teacher, I think it's only when, you, when you're an adult or when you've left school can you look back and really appreciate how much you respected a teacher. Yeah. Because of the way they they taught, or the way they they looked after their pupils, or cared about their profession. We had one, Mr. Williams, geography teacher, who people did respect because he was a nice guy. But if you stepped out of line, you'd know it, and he he could use his voice. Did you find, Alice, that the teachers, on the whole, did they control classes or not? If you had people in your class who were pretty badly behaved how did the teachers could they control them anymore or i mean the worst they do is maybe give them a detention or make you stay behind at break and that was used for the whole class but a lot of the time no because it was just kind of just get out of my class and sit outside okay they don't have to do work a lot of the time there was very very few teachers that were actually kind of had to be nice but were also strict i think there was very few teachers that people liked because you didn't like them a lot of kids didn't want to behave. Yeah, and I, I noticed with the school when we, you, you mentioned the bullying, I noticed from the headmaster straight away, it was always about how the school looked. And it was always about the reputation of school and almost trying to play it down. And that obviously was very unfortunate for you. But is that a point now then where the the lax way in which we all behave in society has caused a problem in education. We, we might sit here and say it was wrong to hit people and to give them the cane, but is fear the only way to control a group of children? Would you say? I mean, no. Well, so, so, what, so what would work that didn't work in your school? Just being there. Just being a lot of the teachers who never got much crap were the teachers that had that balance of being strict but nice. They were the teachers that didn't give up or didn't just be really kind of lazy through the day. And maybe, so, maybe it's the fact that the children felt like they cared. Yeah. You know, I, good I, point. I, I good do point. think that children play up if they feel that they're, you know, well, for want of a better word, unloved and, and no one cares about them and no one cares what they do. You know, children children need that. And if they don't get it from home, they need it from their teachers. And if you feel that you're, you know, even at work, if you feel that you're just a number and nobody cares about you as a person, then you lose that caring ability That's about your education point. or your work. That's a very good point. That's unusual. I mean, I also think it's a little bit worse. I think the kids scared children more than the grown-ups do because we have social media now, you have online. There's so much thing that goes on behind teachers' backs that no one ever sees. So so what would you, yeah, and, and, and you had that as well. So what would you say? Obviously, we we thought about this episode was about parenting. 
But it's, it'd be interesting to know because I think personally, the parenting comes from the society you're in. So whilst I was never smacked, I think that was unusual. Mm. It was the norm to be smacked when by your parents when you were young. But you were never hurt either. It's no, because you guys have always been very kind of there for me whenever I've been upset. You'll hug me, you'll talk me through it. And that's what I'm saying is, is society so different in that fathers often didn't get involved a couple of generations ago, definitely, and and yeah. now they're very much a part of it. It's definitely changed. But but if you'd been born in 1950, it might be very different. But not not just the time. If she's if she's been born into a different family that was too wrapped up in whatever was going on in their lives. The, the fact is, we could give Alice the support that she needed and she feels supported and she feels loved. Yeah, but, but that's, that's us, that's though. That's not the same for, for every child. No, no, it's not. But I think on, as a general rule, fathers don't beat the living daylights out of their sons anymore if they're no. naughty. Teachers aren't allowed to even touch a child. So what I'm thinking is our parenting maybe was more influenced by the culture of the time and actually maybe influenced by our parents by thinking, wow, what they did doesn't feel right anymore. But you always said that you were closer to your granddad than your parents. Yeah. So did you kind of respect your granddad more? Was he more like a dad to you than your granddad? Yeah, probably. Were you closer to him? Uh, Probably. I think I did have respect for him. He was quite a tough Glaswegian. It was just... Did you ever have really a relationship like like me and you, Dad, or like me and you have, or me and Tom have? No, I think it's um I never expected. I suppose we talked about this before in that I never thought about having children, but I never thought I would feel. Put it this way: the way I've been with you and Tom is very different to what I'd ever experienced. But that was the time. <clears throat> well, it? it it partly was the time. Maybe it was an extreme in that, as I say, in my family, no one even hugged. The first hug I ever had was with my first girlfriend. And, and that was a really strange experience. And, but that also was a bit of the time. Uh, although that might be an extreme, I think lots of parents were quite distant from their children I compared th- I to think now. I in the fact that... <laughs> Maybe there weren't fears then, because it was literally, you get ready, get dressed in the morning, and then you went out. And most of us walked to school on our own. I was walking to school with with my sister from a very young age and going to primary school and crossing roads, you know, and and we were walked to school on our own. And I would come back. um, at, At the weekends, it would be, you would just go out after breakfast and you wouldn't come back until tea time and you didn't have a watch on. It was just when it started getting dark. Did you did you come back? Yeah. So you were out all day and no one really really worried about where you were and you couldn't go very far and I suppose you didn't have the the road traffic and the and the dangers. And apparently there was no paedophiles in the nineteen seventies. Well. Yeah. <laughs> That's been disproved somewhat. But I, but I think I think that was because there wasn't the, the coverage maybe yeah. of of any danger so you you always had the don't speak to strangers talk um you know as a child i'd speak to anybody <laughs> but but on that on what you said it feels to me as though as a general rule 
parents, even 30 years ago, are almost emotionally disconnected from their children. But I think that stems from them being disconnected from their parents. But also, I think mean, it mm. comes from, like, when you were younger, like, you were in the highest group, you were told you could do anything, you were told to always be a man, you were, never t- you were told to never show your emotion. Mum was in the lowest group, so she was always told... Thanks she could reminder. <laughs> Sorry. No, but she couldn't do anything. I was the same. I, but nowadays, even though I was in the lowest group, all through my school years, ever since I was younger, you and mum have always told me that I could be anything I wanted. A lot of children nowadays are not being, like if boys want to wear girls' clothes, they're not being told to act a certain way. Some people are. No, but the way true. you were raised, if you were in the bottom group or you weren't... It's true, you were pigeonholed. Yeah, and... you were like, yeah. you're not going to do anything. If you think in our day, if, if you went to grammar school, then you went to university and you were academic. If you didn't go to grammar school, you... you weren't really up to anything, you know, you would be a secretary or a nurse at the The judgment or... was made at your 11 plus, actually, yeah, at the age of 11, to... depending on which school you ended up going to and what results you got, the judgment was made really to a point for your life. Obviously, there would be exceptions, mm. but that's how it was and that's how it was considered. And you're right, Alice, now it's very different. Mm. But I guess now you also have the other problems where... Whereas before, schools would just pigeonhole children and say, well, you're just going to do that. You're just going to you're going to do this good job. Now, like you said earlier, the schools are terrified of doing badly on their league results. They are. And, and thus they are losing the individuality of the child. And not only that, is they're putting incredible pressure on the children that we didn't Every get test. when we were younger. They couldn't care less whether we got GCSEs or not, because you know that when you left school, you could pretty much walk into a job. That that was the way it was. I'd go on a youth training scheme or same sort of apprenticeship. You know that what I could do was was still endless. Whereas now, now the the pressure to get these five GCSEs or or A-levels to do anything is incredible on these kids. But apart from, like, maybe your parents or dad, were you ever really encouraged by the school to do, like, be an air student or become a midwife? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to a very rough school in quite a poor area, one of the roughest schools around, actually, you know, just to to get through the school day um, was, was my aim in life. And I went in hating school. I went through the school gates. I counted down every day. I left school. The teachers didn't really care. Um, I was openly bullied in front of a teacher with this girl kicking me and pushing the table um, and, and calling me names right in front of a teacher who said nothing, absolutely nothing. So, you know, the school didn't care. The it was teachers... character building, wasn't it, back then? Yeah, probably. I mean, it, the, the teachers didn't care. So. So my main aim in life was to get through school. But I'll tell you what it did was it was a school where they used to be smoking behind the, the, the bike sheds and sniffing tipex and glue and, and all of this, this stuff going on to school. But it made me promise right from when I was about 11 or 12 that I was going to do something with my life and I was going to show these people that I wasn't nothing, you know, even though I, I didn't do one in my exams because no one really cared, I was going to show them that I could, I could do something with my life. Yeah. But, but, and, and that exams, though, 
your exams again was a result of pigeonholing. Yes. I think also from our generation, we tended to be pigeonholed by our parents. Our parents very much had a view of my mum was very much, oh, just go and work in a bank. Don't go to college. Don't go and try and do architecture. You know, just have zero ambition. And so they, even though they might have thought I was relatively bright, their ambition for me was literally to have none and to just be safe. And I feel that parents back then maybe tried to direct children a lot more than we would now because we don't feel it's fair. I don't think they even got involved so much. I think they always left it to the school. So when I took my exams, which was the first year of GCSEs, you had five groups. Now, because I was in the bottom group, the highest grade I was allowed to get was an E grade. That was the highest. So I wasn't even allowed to try for C grade or anything higher. Those were the grades that I was, you know, and those were the grades I was given. So I've always thought, you know, could I have got, could I have got higher grades, which meant that in later life I had to go back to college you know and it and it took me that long because I honestly thought there's no way I would be clever enough to do this because all of those years I was told I wasn't clever enough but I suppose they were also raised that way because you see like when we go to granny and granddad they've always kind of when I've said I've had anxiety they always kind of see it's a way of getting on with it but then that's also the way they were raised and a lot of like great grandparents were raised, great great grandparents were raised. They were all raised in different ways. Like you were raised a certain way and probably the way you raised made you the person you were. You were told you could never do anything, but that made you want to prove everyone wrong. I've been raised in a very sort of open society where everything where you know well there's not much not as much racism anymore. Everyone's really open minded about people. And I wish it was everyone. Yeah, a lot of people are open, a lot of people are open-minded about people, and I was taught from a very young age, kind of I would say from maybe year two. I knew what you know. But, that... but I think that's the point. I don't think we deliberately taught you. I don't remember ever thinking, you know, you sort of think I'd like them to behave well, and we try and teach you right from wrong. Mm. But I don't think we ever taught you. I always remember thinking. I almost had too much respect for you two to start telling you how you should live your life. Well, yeah. our, our that sounds a bit hippie-ish. Two, but... our, our main aim for you two was to be happy and healthy. I, I didn't care whether you didn't get any GCSEs at all. It, it was that you were happy in life Yeah, and, and you're healthy. And that whether you, you chose to do that academically or not was completely down to you. But that was our aim and we wanted to encourage you um, you both as much as possible and you know make sure that you knew that you could achieve anything that you wanted to achieve if, if you wanted it bad enough but it's passive teaching it's very much if Tom had a problem or you had a problem it's very much trying to help whereas maybe 40 years ago it would have been you must do this you must do that yeah and it, you will be better because pe- people were pigeonholed it was that simple you know you're from this family so therefore you're going to get this job. You're yeah. not going to be a director of a company. Whereas if you if you were from a rich family, again you've got your class divide, and it and that class divide increased the further back you go. 
I think it, it, it is very different. It's interesting you mentioned the anxiety thing because um, you, you're right when you say, like, maybe your grandparents will say you've just got to get on with it. But me and Joe have struggled with that, and we've had the same. I used to think that a few years back, mm-hmm. and, you know, your mum's also thought it. We're all at the start, everyone, probably the last five years is only at the start of understanding the modern world and how anxiety fits in that. But I can honestly say I've probably learnt more from TV shows, the TV, social media, YouTube than I ever did in school. The amount of stuff that I've learnt from just documentaries or just going on social media, like they'll just say stuff and it sticks in my head. But a lot of the time, I don't think school really does that for a lot of people. Are, are schools teaching you to pass exams? only i mean they're teaching the thing is most of the stuff you learn in school i would say 20 percent of it you're going to learn again and honestly they say if a class of 30 they teach you it and then they just leave you to do the work so someone like me who struggled with work i was way too scared to put my hand but i didn't want to put my hand up yeah and i think it's almost like as i remember when we started the homeschooling and, and i was thinking oh wow eight hours a day of teaching and when you look at it, the amount of teaching, direct teaching you actually get is between half an hour and an hour a day if you're lucky. Because you get a little bit of teaching at the start of the class, maybe a little bit at the end if you ask a question. The rest of it's going between classes, having breaks, having lunchtime. I think they say you only learn about seven minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a really small amount. And there is a theory that schools... There's a good argument to say they're only there to be government-funded childcare so that people can work, especially yeah. now in a time where the mother and father tend to both work. It literally is government-funded childcare with a few exams in there. I mean, obviously, there are benefits in being in a school with many other people of your age because that teaches a lot about socialising and how people are, good and bad. You know, and you've experienced both, obviously. But that does teach a bit of how structures work, how a certain amount of discipline should be there, and what people in general are like. And you can use that. You use that later in life. But I think they teach, the way schools teach, they teach for a certain type of kid. They teach for the academic children. And a lot of the stuff I've learned, I'm never going to use it again unless... I'm going to be like a mathematician or something. I think. I think we could all say that though. No, but they don't. They don't teach for people who are creative. Like the, the amount of time we have, our like I remember in my junior school, I was there for four years. I can honestly say we had math and English every day, but we never had science, except for maybe once a year. They don't teach for the creative kids. They just kind of want to keep it with the academic. And I feel like that was hard because I never really enjoyed school. The parts I enjoyed were like history, like learning about stuff or art and PE. I mean, to be fair, we've said this a lot, haven't we? I mean... They teach remembering. Yeah, the education system um, actually measures intelligence in only one way. How much you can remember. How much you can remember and how much you can store information um, or pick up that information quickly. And Anne's is quite right, you know, in 
In a school, maybe 95% of those children will bumble along, whether it's at the higher end of normal or the lower end of normal, but they'll bumble along and get through. But it doesn't cater for that 5%. That 5% could have super intelligent people. And as we've seen, it's been proven that many entrepreneurs, many millionaires um, and, and inventors are children that didn't excel at school because they think differently. They're very intelligent, but they think differently. And unfortunately, our education system doesn't cater for that. It, it, it wants to bring children in line and conform children to be all the same person by the school uniform and the way their hair is and the way their makeup. It, there's no individuality at all but isn't that, with children at school. But I suppose, I suppose the only exception I can think of maybe is English mm. and it's particularly literature where you, you do talk about how you think of something, how you interpret something. But I, I totally agree with you. It's the old judging a fish on its ability yeah. to climb a tree. Yeah. But and Alice always excelled at English and writing anything creative. That's because I excelled at English and history and subjects like that because the teachers made it a good class. With maths, it was just kind of at the start they tell you what to do, but it was never fun. And I always found I always remembered stuff that where I actually enjoyed the class like history, I really enjoyed it. They'd actually teach, they would properly work on work with you about how to learn this stuff and remember it and with English they were very sort of doing it every single other week but with math it was very once a week you did it for the whole week three days a week do you think that was because you enjoyed history and you enjoy learning about history but with history they lasted longer when you would learn about something you would learn about every single bit of it with math it was I maybe had three lessons a week and you would learn one subject in those three lessons sometimes I didn't even get and even if you'd put your hand up to ask a question they'd only tell you at once yeah but I suppose from your point you're right our education system in that way is shot and it's another thing that we're starting to realize needs fixing the problem is it's like anything because it's done on mass because it's such a huge system you can't easily fix that. You can't no. have a system where you are to fix that. You would literally need almost one teacher per person making sure that they are analysed perfectly for their specific no, needs. I'm, I'm not saying that. And I know there has to be one system to, to, to measure somebody. And, and that's fair enough. My point is, I think society has gone too far to say that, you know, to work in a shop, you need to have five GCSEs. To do any kind of apprenticeship, you need five GCSEs. That's not the case at all. You that you know, society is missing out on these really clever children that aren't academic, but would actually excel far, far better than somebody with, with 10 A stars because of the, the field that they go into. Now, if someone wants to, to chase academia, then that's one thing. But if someone wants someone that can communicate well or sell well um, or, or go into the caring profession, why is a caring profession degree? Caring profession is all about caring for people. So it, it, it should be an apprenticeship. It should be about the person, not about... The, the amount of information they can remember. But isn't life like that? You had an interview recently, Alice, 
and you were told you didn't get the job. And it was a part-time job working in a shop. And you were told you didn't get it because you didn't get enough points. Yeah. No, That's crazy. The first, part of this, the first part of the interview was just kind of just asking normal questions. And then he said, okay, I'm just going to, this is a test. It was almost like it was a test asking all these questions. He was just like, oh, other people scored more points than you. But it doesn't really explain how you get more points. I mean... It was a very strange thing, but that, to me, that mirrors what I've been seeing in the last couple of years in uh, a lot of large organisations, that they almost are looking for robots now. They're looking mm-hmm. for people to follow the line. It almost mirrors um, the, the way the UK government works. It mirrors the way Trump works. Everything is like you follow a few specific people with power and you're not allowed to necessarily show your individuality, yet at the same time, to show your individuality seems to require almost being an activist. I mean, I think a lot of people nowadays are more going off into just doing their own business, doing what they actually love, you know, like YouTube channels or TikTok stars or creating their own little businesses because they're more likely to get something out of it than just working... Is that normal to you? The reason I ask is because many people of our generation and certainly before will look at that and think, God, get a proper job. Yeah, that's not a career. There are are many. I mean, when you look, when you like scroll through TikTok, the amount of small businesses, the way they make it. And I mean, when you actually watch them make it, they spend a lot of money on these machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're people who are 16, 17, 18, who are making these businesses, who are selling these amazing products they are i mean to me i suppose for subject i was interested in is marks brownlee and and what he does on youtube mm. and he's got what 12 million subscribers now he's absolutely brilliant at what yeah, he does he's and he's branching off into other things so I, I do get it and maybe i was surprised when i saw on tv there was a couple of youtubers went to some park look thousands of people screaming for them but were you would you say you were more influenced by singers like you said you loved queen were you very influenced by a lot of the celebrities back in your day no we weren't in i wasn't personally influenced by any celebrities the first time i was and he's to me he's not a celebrity he's a writer as leonard cohen but that was more to do with his work i was more influenced by what he did i didn't I look think, at celebrities and think i do oh, think wow. as a whole people were were influenced and you when you think about the sex pistols and the, the whole revolution and and the 80s and madonna and the, you know that i think they were people that that had a massive amount of influence but it was all music it was all musicians yeah musician but they influenced fashion and they influenced attitudes but nowadays you see a lot more people coming out with women being feminism and um yeah I mean, body positivity. You, it's so much more exactly. like when you see models nowadays. They're not size zero. They're normal size. Like there are so many singers out there who aren't size zero. And I've honestly said I've been more inspired by these people, like Ashley Graham, because she's always kind of said that you don't have to be this perfect skinny person. But it's funny though, isn't it? Again, our generation and maybe generations before, we'll look at that and call it snowflakery. And, you know, you know, it's like the recent thing with Pretty Patel. A lot of people say, well, bullying never did me any harm in the workplace. You know, these 
morons yeah. who say that. But what you, but what they think is Slow's Bakery now, what they probably think is serious, their parents would think. Of course. Snowflake. I mean, the biggest snowflakes in the world are these people complaining because they get upset about everything. But just they literally because... do get upset. Well, Karens and right-wing people often. Just, yeah. just because, uh, you know, one person isn't inf- affected by any kind of bullying or cruel words, it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't. And, you know, I was certainly affected by by bullying in the workplace and, and at school. You were. You were. And when I think about when I first started flying, for example, all the airlines that I applied to all asked for weight in proportion to height. And that would never be asked for now. No, no, of course it wouldn't. But, you know, I mean, okay, yeah, I guess that was a bad thing, was it? Yes. No, I'm joking. So, well, no, you were grounded at 30 because at 30 you were considered too old to That's to true. And, and that's a good thing now. Sorry, Anna. But with everything, like models back in your day, were there really any plus-size models or even no. actresses? No, like, no when you not watch, at all. Like when you watch old movies... There's overweight men, but there's never overweight women. Actually, you say that, but Diana Dawes okay. was um, size 16, and Marilyn Monroe was a size 14, 16. They were curvy, so in the 50s, you, no, but I'm talking about, 50s, that's different. you did have that's the curvy. Different, I'm talking about people who were like, I don't know... Um, overweight or something they never yeah. made it but they would, they would be considered overweight now what i'm saying is yeah. they were i suppose you could say they were plus size models but they were in a, a pleasing shape yeah rather than yeah no one's going to look at marilyn monroe and say wow she's obese no or but... she's overweight they're just not going to do that but people are more open now they are and uh, i think you know me and your mum we probably are a little bit open-minded somewhat lefty and think all of that's really good what though would you say are the downsides of all of this social media 100 percent. i think because with social media you can get away with saying anything about anyone and it go viral i mean there's so many things bullying that... anonymously yes yeah social cowards media, yeah yeah it's such a big thing especially for bullying like there are people who have on tiktok there are people who i mean there was a 16 year old girl on tiktok who was told to kill herself just because she's near 100 million subscribers was called was told she was fat but she's tiny she's slim she's a wonderful person she's never said anything rude or something but she's she was constantly bullied because people were jealous of her and that's such i had an email last week saying that people hoped that um you lot would die because I don't like Trump. That's, but that's what these people do. And, and, and to a point, you just ignore it. But when you were at school and you were on Instagram, did you find that there were girls, and possibly boys as well, I, I don't really know, who were obsessed with how many likes they got? Did they get more likes than the other people? Was yes. that a real thing at it your was. school? It was more following likes. I mean, it's, it's exactly like that now. The more followers you had the more likes you got the more popular you were is that more important or was that more important to certain people than the real life friends thing is before I left school I was a little bit like that I (laughs) never really wanted to fit in I was never really a follower but because I got bullied there was always a part of me that changed the way I dressed changed the way I acted I always used to edit my photos when I left school I kind of completely 
disregarded that I wanted to be my own person I didn't care about likes anymore but a lot of people social media is everything because it's how people meet you know you don't you can call someone a lot of people communicate over social media over TikTok over Instagram it's not done really by face-to-face anymore so social media is everything so so it's interesting you say social media is everything it's almost like this this alternate reality world is everything to and that's dangerous isn't it I mean it is but I think the thing with social media is a lot of young kids who are like 10 maybe even younger who are going on social media are seeing these women who are like 20 because they've edited their photos so much because they're introducing a lot of these like weight loss pills or hair care or makeup brands they think they have to be like that and social media I don't I do think affects a lot of kids now because you see like when I was in school when I was in year seven I was terrified of the year 11 now I'm terrified of the year sevens because they act so much older because social media influences a lot of that they're they're thought to be they need to have the perfect body they need to have the perfect hair the perfect makeup they need to have the perfect boyfriend it's how so do you think young children then and early teenagers are so influenced and so obsessed about having more likes etc because they almost see social media as a career path yeah because because you said about the people that are making millions but i wonder if that's such a bad thing and if that's any different to me watching a band on top of the pops and thinking I really want to be a musician. No, because the, but I don't because think I problem, took it seriously. The problem is, is the social media could destroy you. Yeah. So it, it's very Being easy. Being a musician? Yeah. Well, you know, but you would have to get to that point. I mean, to be a musician or to be an artist, you, you couldn't just put your music out there on social media, which is what's, what's so good about it now. You know, you would have to be signed and you would have to do all the pubs and clubs and get someone to see you and be signed and then before you before you made it and then you could be dropped at a drop of a hat now people can make their own music and just post it if people like it they like it if they don't they don't but what i'm saying is if you don't have that thick skin if you don't have the understanding which a lot of these young kids don't it can and will destroy you because you've only got to get a few nasty people and there are nasty people out in this world that that will be happily tear someone down that they don't even know and they they really couldn't care less. And and that is the danger. The thing is, a lot of these kids watch these videos, like Doella and stuff. They watch these videos and they think of them having a perfect life. All these kind of designer clothes and they have their best friends and their boyfriends. And they see this as a perfect life. And they have their own brands that they sell. But in reality, it's not. I think a lot of people put out... A lot of fake stuff on social it's media. It's an image, isn't it? They create yeah. an image that isn't but, real. But I suppose, in a way, that's no different to what celebrities all always been. Even like Sean Connery died recently when he was James Bond. Mm-hmm. That's probably many men looked up wanted to be him. But I guess the difference now is that what social media does is it brings those nasty people nearer to all of yes. us, which we never used to. They presumably used to sit in a basement muttering before. But it's also not just that. I mean, social media, there are a lot of catfishes on there, a lot of people who can pretend to be anyone. I mean, it's it's pretty dangerous in a way because a lot of people have... Um, could, you could be 40 and just pretend you were yeah. a 16-year-old. So, so what do you use now then, social media-wise? I watch TikTok. I don't post anything. I yeah. don't use Instagram anymore. 
um, yeah. Just and that's, and it's interesting because Tom's the same. Tom, Tom looks at Instagram and he's done one post in his whole life. I just never, when I was younger, I think I used Instagram just to fit in. I think yeah. it can be amazing and it opens up a whole world. But also I think it, you know, if you're not careful, it, it can destroy you and it, and it leads to this, you know, all of a sudden we've got a generation of people that are famous for being famous because they've had their 15 minutes of fame on, uh, on the internet or on a reality program. They're not famous for actually doing something and being talented. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's a real shame, the way we've, we've moved along there. So now it's people from Love Island or people from Big Brother or that actually get the airtime, you know, rather than people that have worked hard at their career or people that have a, a genuine talent. Yeah. But you could say that with anything, with um, singing. They could, I can't sing, but they could make me sound like Beyonce if they wanted to because of auto-tune. Oh, I'm they... not sure about that. No, I think auto-tune's <laughs> no. got a, a while to no, go. No, but it's like, but they can make me sound good. <clears throat> yes, they definitely. They can make me sound like I have a powerhouse voice. But also with models, they airbrush them, they make yep. them slim with yes. actors, they make sure like the lighting's good and the camera's good. And isn't that camera's... dangerous though, that... That we're losing reality. Yeah, I, I yeah. saw that thing recently that a couple of girls on Instagram, and you saw what she looked like and what she posted, and she had like a quarter of a million followers, and she looked stunning on Instagram, and you know I know we talk about being open. She looked completely different. Yeah, off I mean, of it. Those, it, what's, those the point? what's the point? What's the that you have on the phone? Because they make you look amazing. I mean, I hate photographs of myself, but I put one of those filters on that gives you a little crown or something. It makes you look amazing. But thing is, she needs a crown. Instagram. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's like you're almost masked to the world if you're not. So what's the point? What what would be the point? Because it makes you feel good. Well, you, a lot of people. No, 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 but but it wouldn't. If I if I went onto Instagram and thought, okay, I'm going to set up a new account. I'm going to use about probably 17 different filters where I look like Sean Connery when he was James Bond. What's the point? Okay, but for women, is it any different from wearing a full face of makeup and spending hours doing your hair and, and buying a nice a nice outfit? You you put well, at on least, a, at least a it's there. If you're if you're going to put yourself out there, which you do on social media, mm -hmm. you want to look your best, and that's what people aim to do. So it's no different from spending two hours doing your makeup and hair. But I have to correct you there. That wasn't what I was saying. It's it, not talking about looking your best. I'm talking about looking like a completely different person. If you put loads of makeup on and you go out, whether you put too much makeup on or not, you're still that person. I disagree. I think <clears throat> makeup can make you look no, like a totally different yeah, person. Yeah, but it can, but, but you're still sort of there. If you use filters, a computer, to effectively make you look like a completely different human yes. being, that's where I don't understand. To me, there's a massive disconnect there. Yes. And I can't see the point. Taking cellulite out, take it, you know, making you look slimmer than you are, giving you more of a waist, giving you more of a yeah, no. cleavage. Is that but unfair? when I was in high school, when I was in high school and I had Instagram, I put filters on all my pictures because <laughs> otherwise, the amount of hate you get, you want to put your best face forward. If people think you look like that, it actually makes no, you no, feel I get better. That. And that's but interesting. It's different from photoshopping. No, but that's very interesting from what Alice has said there. She felt that if she didn't put a filter on, 
she would automatically get hate. So that means I never posted it. No, so that means though, you're almost feeling that if you put yourself on as you look normally, you'll get hated for that. What does that do, in particular mm. to young girls, probably boys as well? What does that do to their state of mind and, and their belief in self-worth? I think it's not just girls. Boys are bullied just as much, but I don't think they're as looked at. I mean, a lot of boys, they say, well, you know, things bullying doesn't happen to boys. What's it does? But it does. does. Of course it's, it does. It's, it can be exactly the same for boys, but I don't think a lot of people take it seriously. Social no, media think, is just as bad for boys. I think it just tells people that you're not, you're not good enough as you are. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think you're, exactly what you just said there, that really struck me because yeah. that was how you felt. Like I remember seeing a video where this this boy, it was a social experiment, this boy started hitting on this girl <laughs> and then 10 girls came up, different boys came up and told him to get away from her. But when she did it to him, everyone was like, oh no, she's cute, just go out with her. And he was like, no, 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 I, I don't want to. But no one once even saw it as wrong. Yeah, that's quite interesting actually. But it is, but it's double standard. When people say, yeah. well, girls, you know, don't have, don't get as much as men, but men are also, men have always been told to never show their emotions. They've always been told, they've always been raised a certain way. I think it's still mm. prevalent now. I think yeah. it's very much, me and your mum talked about this on a previous episode, in that to this day, men are supposed to be tough, act tough. And to this day, if we watch a film or something and I, and I cry, I feel awful. It's like there's that barrier voice. there. Sorry? It's that built-in voice. It's almost when you've been yes. affected so much by something. It's... Yeah, and it, there's that thing saying, don't cry, don't cry, you're a man, you're a man. Yeah, and I suspect that that, again, is something that's getting better. Mm. But I, I'm fascinated by what you say about how it's almost like, if you imagine when me and your mum grew up, I'm sat at home. No one knows what I'm doing. No one cares. You might go around someone else's house, a friend's house. You might phone someone, if you're allowed to use the phone. <laughs> um, and that's it. So when you look back, when I look back to that, you think that's a very insular, comforting thing. What you're talking about is a world where you're sat in your home and it's almost like you've got a third arm that's just full of social media that's attached yeah. to you the but whole it's, time. It's, 20, it's 24-7, isn't it? It's being on show 24-7. You can't switch off. You can't come home from school and then nobody knows who you are or what you're doing. It's a 24-7 job to be this person. The thing is, a computer is private. If I went on my guest or the incognito thing, you can't see what I'm doing. I could literally doing anything these phones can take you to all different websites the amount of people these predators who will come out on social media and attract young kids to stuff because they're like oh this is fun the amount of websites mm. that will pop up that i've just always exited yeah but i mean i suppose from what you said then what happened to kids at your school didn't use social media there was none honestly wow yeah. i remember when i was younger before social media thing is because I didn't, I think I only started using social media when it came out when I was like in year seven. But before then, I think it was a little bit different because people didn't know anything about you now. Social media, if you put something out, it could go viral. Yeah. The amount of people who will just send it and send it and send it. And it doesn't, when you like spread a rumour about a school, it maybe goes 
It can go around the school, but it will soon fade out. With social media, it doesn't. And not only that, as you can really like a picture of yourself, you put it up on social media, and then you get some nasty comments about it. Yeah. It, it can destroy you because that's a personal picture. Why you, do might, we... you might show a picture to someone, they go, oh, yeah, I don't really like that. Then you don't show it to anyone else. But once you put it on a forum, it, it makes it public domain, doesn't it? It's, it makes it open for anyone to comment on. And not to get too deep, it's quite sad that you could get, and I think most people are like this, you could get 100 nice comments, you get two nasty comments. Why do we tend to believe the nasty stuff? Because it hits. Yeah, why? No. What? Why are we programmed to say someone's been horrible to me? That's going to get me down. Yeah, I've had a load of nice but comments, if it's but whatever. Security already, and someone True. you don't know is pointing <clears throat> that out. It makes it ten times. It's like when I've worn or like tried on clothes before, you will say, "Oh, that doesn't quite suit you." No, but this looks amazing. But you would never say, "Oh God, that looks." ugly like if someone said yeah. that to me i'd be like but you've always been there for me the same i would be there for you like if a dress didn't look right on you i would tell you yeah but it wouldn't be from a horrible nature yeah you wouldn't say oh look make sure you're really fat mum no yeah, i just think I, I suppose sometimes for me it's that why would that person who i don't know be so horrible why would they want to be so nasty and that would bother me See, but then I suppose, yeah, maybe because I've done the website for long enough mm. and everything, I've almost become a bit immune to it and it's got a bit much. But I, I, I do agree with you. I think for most people, it, it does. There's just these nasty people out there who say horrible things. All I can think is that these nasty people, they're a bit like the bullies you had to deal with, Alice. They have problems in their life. They have real bad issues, so all they can do is try and drag other people down. So I sort of pity them. I don't really care about them. And I guess I'm able to sort of deal with it because I've done this for yeah. 20 years. But I, I can understand why. I think you have to feel <clears throat> sad for them because, like, as with any bully, something in their life has gone wrong. There's something in their life that's made them feel so insecure and so bad about themselves that they feel that they have to bring other people down. And for that, I, I feel really sorry for them. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what's happened, but for that, I feel really sorry for them. Um, and I suppose to a certain extent, you just have to, because you can't help people like that, so you just have to try to ignore their comments. Yeah, I, I do get that. And it's um, it's never going to change. No. If anything, it will just get worse. One thing, Alice, does, does it worry you at all about social media in the future when you go for jobs? Companies and employers actually look at your social media yeah. as part of the uh, assessment of if you're good for a job. I think they do. But then I also think now kids from the age of five are growing up with social media. So a lot of it, when they go for jobs, they're going to have it from when they're young. I'm only really going to have it from maybe like, you're 12 but I'm not really on social media true you don't tend to post so but much I do think for some jobs it is a thing so that's in your mind actually I know what Tom said it's very much on his mind he's very careful mm. what he posts if I wanted to go for a job all my word all I'd have to do is read my website though no chance I mean, if, was, if you went for the police force yeah. then absolutely they would look for your social media because they need to know what kind of person well, you are the thing is, a lot you've of got to be went... racist enough to work for the police uh -huh. A lot of people, when they go to um, on dates, 
they will search up someone's social media. Really? Yeah. I can yeah. tell you, so many people, that makes sense, so many people yeah. have said they've social media stalked someone because they just go through all of their posts. It's a thing. Well, yeah, I can... And it's not weird. Okay. Because you can get a sense of who someone is. Call, call, call me out of touch, but that is weird. It's it's, it's not, not really, because you get a sense of who that person is. So in in actual fact, you're probably cutting out about, you know, a couple of weeks' worth of dates. If you can see whether they're a player <laughs> get straight or down whether, to they're, it. <laughs> whether they're mean or whether they're kind. You can, I think you can get a general sense of a yeah, person from social media. A lot of people will have a public Instagram for their parents and family to see and then a private one. I'm sure they do. See, that's because also on the subject of Instagram, I was fascinated that giving someone your Instagram username is basically the equivalent of us giving someone our telephone number yeah. when we were young. Now, I don't... Because you can text. On yeah, that. and that's the generational thing again, because to me, Instagram is just some way you post photos, but it obviously is. it's much more than that. Calling on voicemail isn't a thing anymore. I no. cannot remember last time I left a voicemail to someone. I just text them. But you don't... Again, you're like a lot of people your age. You don't like phone calls, do you? No. You actually don't like them. No. You have a real problem. You would rather... At my father's funeral... You stood up there and read a eulogy and you were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. You'd rather do that in front of 100 people yeah. than make a phone call. That's fine. I, but, like, phone yeah. and, and, but I think that's quite common. Um, yeah. whereas, so I don't mind making a phone call. I hate leaving a message because I get stuck for words and then I can't think of what I've just said and then I just, and you can't erase what you've said. Good point. Good so you point. have to think. I'm always, I'm always rehearsing that if somebody, if, if an answer phone picks up, what I'm going to say. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, this is such a big subject, and we'll have to talk about it in another episode because this could go on for hours. But <laughs> and we are showing our age here because a lot of what you're saying, I find quite fascinating, and it makes me realise just how out of touch I am. No, it's because we didn't grow up with these no, things and Alice grew up with it. Yeah, I get Yeah, I get that. As we were saying earlier, it's a bit like yeah. our parents being wowed that, that they had a colour television. Yeah. That means nothing to us. Alice, to Alice, the internet um, is completely normal, as we saw when we lost our broadband connection for a week and it was literally like someone... Oh, it was had... awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like someone... I had to spend three days... I read a whole book in one night rather than talk to us. <laughs> so, but it was, it was the same. I literally, instead of on my computer, I read an entire book in one night. Yeah, you did. And it was, um, well, I guess we're just going to have to cut the broadband again at some time, see if you read another book. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, darling. Yeah, I did, didn't want to push you too far. Well, thank you for the chat. You're welcome. Um, and it's lovely to have my favourite woman in the world on the podcast, child. finally. Um, whatever. Child. You're not a child, you're 16. Favourite child. Uh, you're not my favourite child, you're equal. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much. And thank um, you. We will, I will talk to you all next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.